Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Well, if you can't tell from that video that we're going to be talking about bodybuilders, you can probably tell from my awesome physique. Hey. <laughs> well, we're not talking about that kind of bodybuilding. If you want six-pack, if you want guns, please talk to Rohan Pereira. He's our in-house personal trainer, champion multiple times in bodybuilding, and he can definitely sort you out, all right? But today, we're going to be talking about bodybuilding. But before I start, I just want to give you some really interesting uh, tidbit of information about our human body. Do you know that your Uh, taste buds are not static, that they constantly regenerate every 10 to 14 days. So if you burn your tongues, for example, you can get your sense of taste back at the most uh, after 14 days. Isn't that amazing? How about this? You know, just like fingerprints, that each person has a unique breath print. Do you know that? (laughs) That our breath contains a mixture of gases depending on your DNA, your your metabolism and all that and what you eat. So imagine that in the future, people can use breath, breath print for identification. So if Mark, Mike walks into the room, for example, you can tell it's Mike from the durian smell. Uh, that's possible in the future, maybe. You don't know. Uh, how about this? Uh, that our liver is one of the few organs in our body that can regenerate uh, itself. Do you know that? Even if 90% of your liver is removed within a matter of months, that liver can actually regenerate itself. Isn't our human body amazing? And it's designed by our creator God, which is why I'm a believer in God, because an evidence of design demands a designer. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a different kind of body. Do you know that you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are the body of Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to a church in Corinth 2,000 years ago. He says this, now you, he's talking to the followers of Jesus, obviously, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, how do you think the body of Christ, the church, is doing in Australia right now? Are we doing well? Are we doing not so well? Well, unfortunately, we're not doing so good, okay? According to this Eternity News in 2021 census, it has revealed that the number of Australians aligning themselves with Christianity is at its lowest since records began. See, if church growth has not only stalled but significantly decreased to just 44%, is it possible that the church in Australia is actually dying? This is really, really sad. You know why? Because that's not how we started. That's not how Christianity started. There were days when Christianity made a huge impact in our world. Bart Ehrman, who is an atheist but also a New Testament scholar, he specializes in textual criticism. This is what he says in his book uh, called, sorry, can we go back one one slide? Um, Somebody help me go back. That's right. He uh, wrote a book called The Triumph of Christianity, where he says Christianity not only took over an empire, which is Rome, it radically altered the lives of those living in that empire and eventually all over the world. Christianity, believe it or not, literally changes politics, it changes culture, it changes how people live, it 
It puts dignity back in the lives of people. So it doesn't matter what your skin color, your race. It doesn't matter if you're female or male. Jesus Christ, for the first time in the history of our world, elevate everybody to a position of dignity that suddenly they realize that they are wonderful, that they are created wonderfully by a wonderful God. And that's exactly what Christianity did in the first century. It spreads like wildfire, literally. Before too long, Rome, that used to persecute Christians, made Christianity the official religion. Can you imagine that? The Colosseum that is used to murder and kill Christians, suddenly you see a cross signifying the cross of Jesus at the Colosseum. That's how wonderful Christianity has started, you know, in the first century. But right now, uh, by the way, he continues to say this before I continue. However, one evaluate, however one evaluates the merits of the case, you... You may be pro, uh, pro-Christian, against Christian, anti-Christian, pro-church, anti-church. It doesn't matter, he says. No one can deny that it, the church, was the most mon- monumental cultural transformation our world has ever seen. All right? But this movement that started 2,000 years ago needs to continue. If you are a Christian, okay, you, not just me, but you, all of you, are stewards of that movement that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago. The faith of this generation and the next generation is in your hands, is in my hand. We will either take from the church and consume from the church and then leave it weaker and ineffective because we can get everything that we want out of it. Uh, I'm safe, I'm going to heaven, don't care about anybody else. We just, we, we like this preacher, we like that preacher, I like that church this Sunday, I like that church that Sunday, and then we just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we just consume, consume, consume. We can either do that, or we can decide to make the gospel relevant for every generation, so that the message of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ continues to be preached, not just to, 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 our, to ourselves, but to our children, to our grandchildren, to our great-grandchildren, and so on. You can either do that or you can consume. If you choose to consume, okay, this is the result. In 2021, only 44% of Australians identify as Christians. That's down from 52% in 2016, down again from 61% in 2011, okay? I know I keep showing this chart, but I will keep showing this chart until everybody realizes this is what's happening in our country. That's 8.5% drop every five years. 8.5% drop every five years. You know what that means? That means in less than 30 years, statistics don't lie, in less than 30 years, there will no longer be Christianity in Australia if this rate continues. So my question to you is, do you know who determines if there will still be a church in Australia in 30 years? Do you know who determines if there will still be a thriving, amazing community for your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren in 30 years' time? Do you know who determines that? Do you know who determines whether or not Australia will become like Europe, where churches were being sold to the mosques, to pizza parlors, to skateboard parks? Do you know who determines that? Not me. You. All of us. Right? Because the Apostle Paul says, you are the body of Christ. I don't think Paul is speaking metaphorically here because physically, Jesus is no longer here on earth. 
So that means if you call yourself followers of Jesus Christ, Paul says, you are his body. You are his hands and his feet. And each one of you, some other translation says, each one of you is a necessary part of it. There's not part of the body of Christ that is not necessary. You're supposed to be doing what Jesus started 2,000 years ago when he was on earth. This community is supposed to experience Jesus through you, through me. That's the plan of Jesus. He didn't have any plan B. That's his plan A, and it's his only plan. If you say, oh, well, I don't really feel like I want to be a part of it, or maybe you say, I used to be a part of it, but I got hurt. You know, things happen. Life stage is different now. I used to be single and had plenty of time, but I don't have the time anymore. So I don't think I want to be a part of it anymore. Paul will say to you, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Listen to what he says. He says this. Now, if the foot should say, imagine your foot speaking. That's pretty creepy, right? But if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it doesn't matter. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. <laughs> you cannot do that. The rest of the body will say to you, no, you can't say that. You can't detach yourself from the body, no matter how you feel like to do so. It doesn't matter what you feel or what you want to do. You cannot remove yourself. That's just impossible. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, <laughs> it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. You see, the body said, that's too bad. <laughs> if you're an arm, for example, or a leg or, or, or a liver, that's too bad. You just are. <laughs> it's not whether you want to be or not. You just are part of the body. This is not an option, okay? You are saved individually, but you are, self, you are saved into the body of Christ. Now, you know this, okay, because you're smart. If the church is to be healthy, okay, the church as a body is healthy only when every part fulfills its function. You know this. You don't need me to explain this to you, right? You feel your best when every part of your body is functioning properly. Am I right? But the converse is true as well. How about this? The church as a body is sick when some parts don't fulfill their function. The church becomes sick. And that's what you see what's happening right now in Europe, in America, in Australia. That's what you see happening. The church is sick. We're declining. Uh, I want to give you this illustration. And my wife told me, don't give that illustration. That's gross. People will not be able to concentrate for the rest of your sermon if you, if you give that illustration. But I don't care. Right? <laughs> so it's funny. So I want you to hear it. Suppose uh, you, you're craving for a hot curry, right? You, oh, you love curry, and, and, and suddenly one day you're just, you're just craving for it. So you decided to go out for, for a nice curry. So your feet took you to the restaurant, so every part of your body is functioning really well. Your feet uh, took you to the restaurant, your hand put the curry in your mouth, your eyes fisting on the beautiful curry, your hand uh, helped put that curry into your mouth, your jaw started chewing, right? Your teeth started biting. And your taste bud, your tongue started tingling. Oh, this is the best curry ever. So everything is working well so far. So you go home, and then suddenly, your digestive system says, that's it. I'm done absorbing all this beautiful curry. Yo, someone get this curry out. <laughs> and then your rectum says, no. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what rectum is, your rectum says, no, I quit. I'm on strike. 
I'm not appreciated in this body. No one cares about me. You all talk bad about me behind my back. The face gets all the glory. The hand with the guns, like Rohan, get all the glory. No one cares about me. I'm on strike. What's going to happen? <laughs> if that part of your body, with all the curry in your body, suddenly that part of your body goes on strike. Man, that's not going to feel good, right? Let me tell you, the church as a body is sick when some parts don't fulfill their function. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul says. He says this. You think I'm joking with this illustration. Paul used the same illustration. He says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. <laughs> and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. Right? Paul says, there's no part of the body that is not important. Every single part is important. That's why... I hate to say this, right? This is the part where, you know, I like to be funny and all that, but I'm serious. I want you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not, let me tell you, we're happy you're here. We created this environment for you. You can just sit back and relax. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not engaged in any way in the body of Christ, let me tell you, this is not a sermon that should have needed to be preached. You should realize that on your own, that you are part of the body. So be engaged. You got to be engaged for the sake of the rest of the body to be healthy and strong. For your sake to be healthy and strong, you need to be engaged. It doesn't matter if you're a hand. It doesn't matter if you're a mouth, you're a big intestine or a small intestine. It doesn't matter. Maybe you are hidden. Maybe you are an inside part of the body. No one sees. But you are very, very necessary part of the whole body. So you need to engage, all right? For some of you, you need to re-engage. You are grateful for this church. You are growing in this church. You enjoy the, the wonderful worship. You enjoy the wonderful you know, messages that we preach that's practical. But for whatever reason, you're no longer engaged. You used to be. Maybe when you were younger, maybe because of time, because of hurt, or whatever the reason may be. I get it. It's getting more and more difficult now. You know, with internet, with YouTube and all that, it's easier to consume, 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 right? It's easier to make excuses now. Oh, I got a family to feed. Uh, work is really, really tough right now. You know, we have all kinds of legitimate excuses not to serve. But I'm telling you, if that's what you're doing, not only are you going to suffer because you're not fulfilling the function that God has designed you to fulfill, but the whole church is going to suffer. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. Like the example that Paul gave, like the example I, that I just gave. The whole body is going to suffer. So it's not just we need you, you need us as well because we are part of the body. And I'm telling you, the faith of this generation and the next generation is too valuable for us to just be consumers, right? Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for you to just be consumers, you are saved. You are going to heaven. You have eternal life with God. You experience grace, forgiveness, mercy, and all that good stuff. But it's not meant to be consumed just by you, you see. Jesus died for the whole world. And the faith of the next generation is in your hands. Literally, it's in my hand. So this morning, I'm not just inviting you to attend something. We're inviting you to participate in something. 
And if you don't want to serve here, for goodness sake, serve elsewhere. Because you, as, as the body of, part of the body of Christ, as you shine your light, right, the whole world will be better off for it, right? Your marriage will be better. Your, your community will be better. Your, your workplace will be better. The whole country will be better if every member of the body of Christ just do their part. But if you ask me where the greatest investment of your money and time should be spent, I would say it should be spent in the body of Christ, in the church. The church is literally the hope of the world. Jesus Christ prophesied prophesied about you. Do you know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. He's not talking about the building, by the way. I'm going to build my church. That means I'm going to build you. He says, I'm going to build Justin. Justin was not even born yet, but I'm going to build Justin. I'm going to build Michael. I'm going to build Sarah. I'm going to, I'm going to build John. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, prophesied, I'm going to build my church and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Right? So if the church is in decline, as we are experiencing right now, that means there are parts of the body of Christ that is not being built, that is not fulfilling its function. Okay? I, I want to invite, uh, we have, I'm grateful that in this church we have hundreds of people who dedicate their time uh, to serve our community, this community that we are in. So I want to invite two of them to come to the stage right now, Evie and Amir. Why don't we give them a hand? And I want to ask them a few questions so that you know what volunteering is all about in this church. So Evie and Amir, why don't you start by introducing yourselves and what you do in the church? Okay. So my name is Evie and my involvement in volunteering in church is in the worship team. So I sing, I sing for Sundays and also for young adult and youth gatherings as well. All right. Thank you, Evie. Amir. Hi, uh, my name is Amir. Um, you probably see me around the car park, so I serve at the car park as well as the uh, the check-in for the kids. You probably see me here, kids as well, and oh, I'm a right. small group leader. As well. Right. Tell the people who are probably new to volunteering what is a typical Sunday. For those you both serve on Sunday, yeah. So, what is a typical Sunday look like to you? Sure. So, um, on a Sunday, if I'm on worship, I get up at five in the morning to make it for rehearsals that start at six a.m. Um, so we'll come and we'll practice together in the morning. Um, and as a band, we also gather monthly to worship and pray and learn the new song each month. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, you beat me to it every morning. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm here at 7.30 normally for the car park as well as the check-in to prepare, as you saw, it's pulled in as well. And also the check-in to make sure everything goes well through the printing and stuff. So, uh, yeah, they're the small group leaders uh, side of things. I pray for them, prepare for them as well through, wow. through the week. So, yeah. That's kind of Wonderful. Evie, I was going to apply to be in the band, but 6 a.m., I think I joined the Carpat team. Okay. Um, so, my next question to you is, uh, why did you decide to serve and what, what do you get out of serving? So I decided to start serving a couple of months after joining the church. To me, it felt really important as part of a community and a family, which is what church is all about, to get involved. Um, and I've got my own passions and things that I love, and singing is one of them. And so I felt really encouraged to get involved, and people around me encouraged me as well to start serving. And I think one of the biggest blessings is just being able to um, stand up here and see the congregation worshipping. And it's so special to be able to encourage others in their own personal journey of worship. I think that's really what's most And you're doing a really good job at it too. So, Thanks. yeah, thank you. Amir? Yeah, well done, Evie. So, uh, for me personally, I was well uh, for a... Uh, um, 
I, 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 for the journey that I have with Jesus, I find that uh, it's only natural for me to serve. And I find encouragement as well to see other people that actually serve alongside me, that uh, uh, I feel joy and also full, fulfilling and fullness for me, actually. And uh, it it's really uh, makes me uh, alive and, and, and being, uh, being able to appreciate others around me as well that's yeah. putting their efforts and time into it and it's very wonderful. encouraging for me yeah. wonderful very quickly just one last question i don't want to paint a, a a false picture to the people here what are some of the challenges that you face in in ministry um i guess the 5am start is quite early to get up <laughs> for the 6am rehearsal but it's also been a bit of a blessing in disguise to be able to drive here in the morning as dawn's coming up and pray and i think just initially it was that confidence of you know oh how do i start and get involved yeah, but yeah. once you do it's the best thing okay good amir any challenges yeah it's like bad drivers 5am is uh, quite difficult as well <laughs> i have to be at 7:30 i find it difficult but <laughs> But yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for me, also for the flesh myself as well. So not to be able to just focus on myself, but also be able to focus on others. And uh, it's something that I uh, I feel that it's a uh, it's as Holy Spirit shapes me to be more like Jesus, to be able to serve people. So yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Why don't we give them a hand? Thank you for your service you. to our community. In case you don't know, Amir actually met Jesus here. We baptized him and he, he just started growing. And as he served, he said he grew even more. And that's amazing. And if, as if you don't need any more reason to, to get plugged in and to, to participate in serving this community for Jesus, uh, we're going to witness uh, a water baptism this morning. We had one earlier this morning as well, Eliza, who was, six, he was 16 years old. Uh, you know, came from a non-Christian family, amazing testimony, and we've got Caleb later on uh, to be baptized here. This is why we exist. Yesterday at Baptism Bash for our children, seven kids were baptized. A few weeks ago, 18 people uh, were baptized in our church as well. This is as part of their journey to knowing Jesus. This is truly, truly remarkable and amazing. That's why we exist. So I want you to lean in and, and, and be blessed by Eliza's story and later on, Caleb's story as well. Hello, my name is Eliza. I'm 16. As a child with parents with two different beliefs, I didn't really know which religion I fit into. When my mom was Buddhist and my dad followed a Vietnamese religion, I just thought I would just follow in whatever religion my parents would choose for me. I did have a wake-up call when about four years ago, I lost my grandparents, which affected me so hard. It affected how my family connected with each other, as my grandparents were the glue of the family, holding everything and everyone together. When they passed, my family grew apart and distanced, continuing to work on their own lives. Every time I go through hardships with my personal life, I sit in front of my grandma's portrait, asking her for help. I would catch myself saying Jesus' name to her, asking God for assistance and advice to hold me up and keep me level-headed. At first, I thought it would be a one-time thing, but ever since then, I have grown more drawn to the idea of being Christian, a child of God. When I was 14, maybe 15, I started having relationships which helped me mature to be kind to everyone, no matter who, whether they were a family, stranger, etc. The downside to being with someone and now having to be partly responsible for someone else's emotions is that I started losing myself in the midst of all the chaos. I found myself switching between different personalities and personas to fit in with certain people. When I did start to put myself first, I met my best friend Rihanna. Her family took me in as if I was blood. They started taking me to the rocks 
and this feeling of belonging washed over me, which I had not felt in a long time. I started to immerse myself into the Christian beliefs. I felt safe and comfortable with myself for once. I knew that then if I started trusting in what plans His grace had for me, I would not only be happier but also the best version of myself to reach my full potential as a person. I realised that I didn't need love from anyone besides God's love and adoration for His children. Through the rocks, I learned that Jesus loved me so much that He died on the cross for me so I can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. My sin is dealt with once and for all at the cross and I now belong to God forever as His beloved child. Ever since that realisation, I felt that this huge heavy feeling and weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I realised that I didn't need to prove myself worthy of love, loyalty and care to anyone. I didn't feel the need to be impressive to anyone because I am under His grace. I want to thank Rihanna and her family for taking me in and for taking me to the rocks. I want to thank the rocks pastors and volunteers for creating such an easy environment for me to learn more about God and His love for me. These are the reasons that today, for every day to come to me and for the rest of my life, I need to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. Hello everyone, my name is Caleb White. My testimony starts with my family. I've been fortunate to have a family that's deeply rooted in their personal relationship with God. This foundation guided me towards embracing Christianity from a very early age. They've not only been an unwavering source of support, but have also instilled in me values that have nurtured my relationship with God. During my teenage years, my dad and brother began a Bible study group with some of the boys from football many of whom were non-Christians. Seeing God at work and meeting them exactly where they were had a large impact on my life. Through this and its extension into the rest of the football club, God began developing a passion to reach those that didn't know Him. One of the most impactful aspects of God's influence in my life has been the people He has surrounded me with. In high school, God put Arian, my youth leader, into my life. He showed me what a deep and personal relationship with God was like and continuously invested in me. In year 12, my family and I came to The Rocks, seeking a church close to the home. It was here that I found my relationship with God transcended beyond a superficial level. One of the key reasons for this was God putting Annika in my life. Annika has not only been a close friend, but also challenged me and my faith. She has exemplified a tangible representation of God's love and played a pivotal role in deepening my understanding of God's character ultimately leading to me becoming the young adult leader and then eventually co-running young adults with Karen. As I reflect on my life, I can't help but recognise God's presence throughout it. He has been my guiding hand during times of hardships and has showered countless blessings upon my life. He put people in my life to reveal to me how he wants me to live and has asked me to trust in him as he works through me to reach others. Of course I believe Jesus loves me unconditionally and proved that by dying on the cross for my sins. But I never took that step of being baptised. Over the past few years, God has been challenging me to take a step forward in my faith journey through baptism. Though I initially hesitated, a few months ago I listened to a message that once again challenged me to get baptised. I decided that this was going to be the time. So here I am wanting to publicly state that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. All right, we have Caleb here with us. And Caleb, thank you so much for giving me and Annika the 
the privilege to be able to baptize you this morning. And, um, you know, personally, I've seen you grow spiritually. Um, I've seen you grow in, you know, just your knowledge of the Lord. And it's so amazing to see, you know, the leadership that you have um, exemplified, you know. And I, I, what I love most about you is that you are a man of integrity, that you don't, you always practice what you preach. You know, you, you tell others to love others, and you, you love probably the best way ever. And uh, I've never seen so much love coming from, um, you know, someone, and so genuine as well, like, you always tell, tell how it is, sometimes a bit too much, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all, all for their good, <laughs> but yeah, no, we love you so much, Caleb, and it's such a privilege to be here with you today, and to get to witness this part of your faith journey, so thank you so much for having us. Caleb, we are so grateful that you said yes to the calling of leadership all those years ago, um, and now you're co-leading young adults, and we just love that today we get to witness uh, you decide to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. So, Caleb, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again three days later so that you have access to eternal life with him? Yes, I do. Based on that confession of faith, it is our privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.